Welcome to the Lead Up Leadership Podcast. Hear from rising leaders and seasoned leaders across various industries to see about their leadership journey and how you can level up your leadership game. Here's your host, Renato G. Lead Up! Well, we are back with another episode of the Lead Up Leadership Podcast. This is episode number 28, and I'm very excited. I have a special guest a uh, special shout out to one of my friends, Sean Fenner. Uh, I have his mother, but more importantly, uh, I have um, Joni, uh, Johnny, sorry, wow, already messing up. Johnny okay. read it, <laughs> um, but I'm gonna give her her due uh, diligence and, and just kind of read about her bio real quick. So uh, Johnny Reddick served as an assistant chief uh, with the California Highway Patrol for 29 years, an organization with more than 11,000 employees, 11,000 y'all. Uh, she retired as an assistant chief and worked in both the Bay Area, covering all nine counties and within Sacramento region, where she oversaw eight CHP commands, including the third largest communication center in the state, which handles over 1 million 911 calls annually. She is also the CEO of JL Consulting Solutions, which specializes in organizational leadership development. She works with individuals and organizations in law enforcement, public safety, government, and the private sector through shared strategies and systems designed to create efficiency, structure, and enhance outcomes for promotional preparation and leadership development. Uh, without further ado, welcome, Johnny, to the show. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Of course. Of course. Yes. Glad to be here. Thank you. And I'm going to jump into some of these questions, but before we get to that, you know, besides the bio, can you give us a little bit of your background? Where are you from? Um, yeah, give us a little bit of, you know, who is Johnny? Who is Johnny? All right. Um, let's see. So I'll have to give you the short version because that would be really long if I went too detailed. <laughs> but I will share with you that, um, you know, when you're thinking about what career path you're going to take when you're a younger person, it really does matter how you set yourself up for that path. And for me, I had no clue. You know, I was uh, working my way through high school, um, being an CB type of student, but not really having um, like a long-term, you know, the long game wasn't in my head at the time, right? Because I was young and I came from being raised by a single mother as a, you know, I'm a biracial woman, so I'm half black, I'm half white. And being raised by my mother, we had a very broken um, life together as I came up. So you know, school wasn't necessarily the primary thing. It was really about survival mm -hmm. um, in a lot of different ways. And so when I graduated high school, I got a job um, as a clerk typist. Mm -hmm. And I look back and I was 18 years old, going to junior college, not knowing what I wanted to do, a clerk typist. And then I had an opportunity to do something really different, really bold. I saw a huge ad in the paper, which... Nobody reads a newspaper anymore. I think everything is digital. Yeah. Um, that said the California Highway Patrol was hiring. And I met all the requirements, but I had no idea what law enforcement was about, period. Mm -hmm. But people said I couldn't do it mm -hmm. because I was a woman. They were like, why are you even thinking about that? And because they said I couldn't, I did. And, you know, I was 21 when I came on the highway patrol. And again, still really young, not knowing really what I was getting myself into and not really understanding the important uh, foundation of leadership and what that would look like in my journey. 
And it probably wasn't until maybe my seventh or eighth year that I was even on mm. um, that I started thinking about what leadership actually was and that I wanted to be one, mm. even though I was already, you know, a leader, yeah. even as an mm. officer, because when you go out to all the incidents you do in the community, you know, everybody's looking up to you because you've arrived, right? Yeah. But I never saw it that way until I started to seek my, my own promotions and go up, you know, the ladder. And so the leadership journey was, um, it wasn't easy. Yeah. It was not easy. Um, but I was able to go from officer to assistant chief in that 29 year career, which just to give context for your viewers, yes, the CHP has over 11,000 employees and a multi-billion dollar budget. But for law enforcement in this country, there are almost 900,000 sworn um, officers mm. in some capacity. And for me to achieve the rank that I did, I'm less than 1% of mm. that top tier. Wow. And so um, I just share with your audience that when they don't see themselves somewhere, just keep pushing because it's not going to be easy, but you will arrive if you don't give up. Yeah. Um, and for those of, for those of your uh, listeners and your viewers, if you do have a plan, mm -hmm. stick with it, mm. right? Sometimes you have to make modifications, but stick with it and have faith and do the work, yeah. do the work. I mean, I could tell you the stories about doing the work, um, but you have questions for me, but yeah. that's kind of how I, you know, kind of got on my path to, mm -hmm. you know, through the Highway Patrol. And then after I retired, which was just a few years ago, um, that's the beauty of, you know, public safety uh, retirement. Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful. Um, I was able to retire at a very young age and um, I wanted to continue to contribute and give back. So I actually um, teach at the graduate level for the University of San Diego for their online master's program for law enforcement and public safety leaders. And um, I also um, uh, adjunct over at our local community college here at Delta um, College in that's at the very entry level for people coming into law enforcement, but it's in the administration of justice programs. So I teach leadership, professionalism, and ethics. Mm. And then I also have uh, my company, which is JL Consulting Solutions, where I do really leadership training organizationally mm -hmm. and individually coaching and also promotional readiness for people. That's amazing, amazing. Um, I know I you had fun. I'm still yeah, having fun. Yeah, no, that's, and that's great. As a, as a, as a, you know, well-accomplished uh, leader, you should be having fun while giving back as well. Um, you mentioned early on experiences, you know, life, but also, you know, as you started in law enforcement, um, how had, how did some of those experience kind of mold and shape or even define your sense of leadership? I know you mentioned it took you, you know, kind of few years to figure out what leadership even meant to you. Uh, maybe you can touch a little bit more of like maybe from personal experiences or things that you saw what once you got your foot in the door, you know, something that helped define leadership to you. Um, so I will I will say that um, I had to uh, there was a couple of things. One was I had to get out of my own way. Um, I was so. I don't know how to say this without making me sound really horrible, yeah. but I was really selfish. I was a selfish person. I didn't have children yet. I was a young person. I had this wonderful job, right? Um, and I was having so much fun and having a great time. 
that I honestly didn't want to take time to be selfless, which that is what leadership is. We have mm. to sacrifice and you have to give to others, right? You have to give to your teams. You have to, you know, um, and I wasn't really ready for that. Mm. And I had a mentor, which I didn't know what a mentor really was <laughs> until somebody yeah. decided to be my mentor. Mm -hmm. And they said, hey, you know, if you ever think, if you are ever thinking about promoting, Mm -hmm. you might want to consider your attitude. Mm. And <laughs> of course I got defensive because I'm like, what do you mean my attitude? Yeah. And they just shared with me that um, the way I was being perceived was, you know, not somebody who was willing to, you know, demonstrate leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Because I kind of, you know, I was sassy. I was, mm -hmm. you know, you can't tell me. Mm -hmm. But they said, you know, you might want to work on your attitude. Mm. And after I got done being upset about that, <laughs> I was like, no, you know, they're absolutely right. I was going around um, like I knew everything because, mm. you know, it's part of this thing as we're coming up, we're trying to go through a maturation process right. of being just people. But now I'm trying to fit into a male dominated industry mm -hmm. where I need to also show that I'm capable mm -hmm. to do the work. And so I started taking on mannerisms in the sense of being tough and, you know, all of mm. that, but that wasn't really authentically who I was. Mm. And so when I started figuring out that I needed to be authentic, but there were things I needed to do to improve myself, which were mm -hmm. attitude. And I also had to realize that I was doing the job, but I needed to be excellent at doing the job mm. and be competent in order to move forward to have that capacity to lead people that would be doing what I was doing because yeah. they would then be seeking that guidance and wisdom for me. Mm -hmm. And in the work that I was doing, this has to do with civil liability. This has to do with life, right? Life or death decisions mm -hmm. and officer safety. And I couldn't move to the next um, level without really being good at the job that I was doing yeah. so that I could be better for others. And so those were just a couple of things early on that were really important um, yeah. that I feel like, you know, really helped me to shape and grow my continued uh, leadership capacity as I moved up. Wow. Attitude. I think some people got offended once they heard that. They said, not me. <laughs> well, we do. We get yeah. very, we get very defensive. And yeah. I think it's all about the approach and yeah. the intentions behind somebody coming to share something where you can improve. Yeah. And if we're open to listening and we're open to, you know, receiving that mm -hmm. feedback, man, we're going to get some wins out of that if we lean yeah. into it. Yeah, that's so good. So good. You also mentioned, again, um, being in a male dominated space um, and being biracial, black, white. Um, how were you able to navigate some of those spaces, you know, being a woman, uh, being biracial? I, I know nowadays, um, you know, I wasn't, a, I'm only 29. So, I, you know, when you started, you know, I was not even in the picture, but, you know, diversity and inclusion is a big thing nowadays, right? Especially with all that's been happening in this last year, two years, three years of civil unrest and all the things that law enforcement now, you know, is constantly on the news, social media. Um, could you share a little, little insight of just how did, how were you able to navigate spaces and being in a leadership position as a woman and being biracial? Yeah, so I'll go. I'll, I'll I'll start with you are my son's age. So yeah, no, you are not here <laughs> yet. Um, you know, it's um, when I was an officer, 
I would say I didn't handle it well in the sense that I spoke my mind. I, you know, you know, didn't hold back. I, you know, let it all out, but I let it all out in the wrong ways that weren't productive, right? To make change. It's okay to, um, you know, have emotions and feelings and experience something, right? But in leadership, when we decide to promote, we don't have the same luxury that we have when we just want to be, you know, citizens out in the world, so to speak, or, mm. you know, um, line level staff who can complain and criticize and, you know, not look for solutions. Yeah. And so, um, you know, as I was coming up, it was uncomfortable. It didn't feel good. Um, you know, you had people that, you know, you weren't in the cliques, you mm. weren't in their groups, you know, you were on the out side of things. Um, you know, you had some officers that didn't help you, but I'm going to say that's not based on race. That was based on my gender. I was female. Mm. So, you know, I could be out at an overturned collision or, you know, in pursuit of something. And I would hear crickets on the radio from my wow. backup, you know, um, unless I was, unless they heard there was something really extreme, mm. which to me, those are extreme things I just mentioned, but um, it mm. took a long time. I had to continually day after day, prove my, you know, uh, ability to do the right. job before they started even coming to my calls. Right. Um, but when I moved up into leadership, it became more of a lens of not really looking at myself and what right. wasn't happening for me because I worked really hard on my reputation. Yeah. I worked really hard on my work ethic and everything I got, I did it based on merit. Mm. And so as I established that for myself, which is so important for, especially for yeah. anybody in their career, but for women, right? Mm -hmm. Because in a male dominated industry, you don't want people thinking people are giving you something right. um, just because of a friendship or anything else. But I started wanting to be an advocate for my people mm -hmm. and my people are everybody that I led, but my people of color. Yeah. So I would see them. Now I'm placed in a position where I can do something, mm -hmm. not, not unfavorably. It's all going to be equitable, but I can make things available mm -hmm. to them. I can make them aware of things. I can mm -hmm. prepare them better on how to be able to get into the process. Yeah. Um, I can, you know, share with them some of the things that oftentimes people of color do not have access to yeah. because again, they're not in those circles of friends and cliques that click mm -hmm. together but they're also the ones that are in the higher up positions, right? Right. And so one of the things I was thinking of is, you know, I do a lot of uh, promotional readiness and I did it on the job for like at least 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. And there would be special study groups for people that you couldn't get into. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't necessarily titled by race, but the predominantly, mm -hmm. the people that were in it were usually white and white male. Mm -hmm. And I found myself doing study groups with people of color because they felt comfortable and trusted me for one, but because I made myself available mm -hmm. to be able to do it. And I gained the knowledge to be able to help them to, you know, change the trajectory of their careers and their lives. And, um, you know, it's one of the things when we move up in leadership and we always talk about reach back, mm -hmm. you would be surprised. How many people move forward and do not reach back wow. to truly help other people? They will do it for their friends. Yeah. They will do it for their favorites. Mm. They won't take that energy to do it for the right. And I just leave it there for yeah. the right, the right people, the right reason. 
they don't do that because it takes time and energy. And again, that's back to that sacrifice and selflessness that I talk about when you start to promote. People need to be seen. Yeah. And, you know, if you, you don't see everyone, then you don't see anyone. Hmm. Hmm. Saying a lot of great stuff right now. I, I want to touch on, you know, you having a, a long-term career. Um, you know, there, some of the people that mostly listen to this, maybe they're entry or they're trying to move up and get promoted. Um, I know you mentioned merit, which is, you know, not something you hear very common nowadays, at least where I work or even maybe for this generation, who knows, but what would you attribute, you know, some of the things to, to a long-term career, you know, 29, almost 30 years being in law enforcement, what would you say, you know, maybe I know you mentioned a mentor as well. What, what were other factors that helped sustain a long-term career? No, that's a great question because um, we definitely have to think about the long game, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't matter if your long game is in the same organization, but you Correct. know, even if you're going to go into a different organization, right. you want to continue to move up. And you also want to be able to sustain sometimes wherever you are, if that's where you want to be. Yeah. And so one of the things um, I always recommend to people are, there's a few things, but um, one that's really important and some people don't even think about is creating for yourself a career development plan, mm. or um, I think it's called an individual development plan. It can right. be called any kind of plan, mm -hmm. but really what a career development plan does, it's almost to me like, you know how you can have a vision board and you mm -hmm. set up what your goals are and what you aspire to do. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what a career development plan is, mm -hmm. is you sit down by yourself or with a supervisor preferably, but maybe your organization, they're not that um, advanced to want to mm -hmm. do that mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. And really you set out what your goals are going to be. So I did one of those as an officer. Well, I did mm. it as a sergeant because I didn't know it existed as an officer because nobody ever shared it with me. Yeah. But when I studied for the test, I learned about it because mm -hmm. you gain knowledge too as you promote and Correct. test to an interview. And what it does is it sets up goals for you to look at you know, where you want to go in the organization. So I wanted to go all the way to the top and it gives you timeframes. And then it also talks about, well, what kind of training will you need? What kind of assignments will you need? Mm -hmm. What kind of things will you need to help prepare you to get there? And you create this outline in a career development plan. And you could update it every year mm -hmm. so that you can you know, make sure it's meeting your needs. But really, it's your career vision board for you to create right. your pathway to where you want to go. And then the other piece um, that's really important about sustaining your, your long long game plan mm -hmm. is don't allow yourself to get complacent mm. because complacency will creep in and then we become mediocre. Mm. We become mediocrity should not exist in any corporate culture, but it does because it can easily be fed. But you as an individual that has any kind of a drive to be able to, you know, do more, be more and be better. Mm -hmm. You're constantly working on being a continual learner. So if you feel yourself getting complacent and you know, you're starting to find a lack of job satisfaction and you're starting mm -hmm. to sit around and complain and you're surrounding yourself with those people, mm -hmm. you're gonna shorten your long game quite a bit and it's wow. gonna be a miserable ride for your entire journey. <laughs> so it has everything to go back to the attitude, right? And the yeah. mindset and just making sure that, you know, being a continual learner breaks you out of that. Yeah. Maybe that's going and saying to your, uh, you know, um, you're a direct report for somebody mm -hmm. and you're like, I'd love to get a new assignment that would stretch me. That's a little bit outside of what I do, but I'm willing to do it 
you know, because I want to grow for my next promotion or the next assignment that I get. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get it internally, nothing says you can't seek things externally. Go back to school. If you haven't been to school in a while, take a seminar, webinar, you know, learn something and then put it into practice. Yeah. And so for me, looking at the long, uh, the longevity of my career was, I never was in, for us in the state, uh, in the CHP, I could work anywhere in the entire state and still be within my department. Mm-hmm. So I was always either promoting every three to five years, Wow! but sometimes my assignments would change because I was seeking something to diversify myself gotcha. to kind of you know, change, um, whether I was just working in the field, but now I wanted administrative work, but where do I want the administrative work? Because Mm -hmm. I saw myself being a chief and to be a chief, I need to know a lot of things. And so it's just having the mindset, having that career development plan or a plan. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't look overwhelming or it looks like something you can never achieve. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece is having resiliency. Um, and that's the ability to be able to rebound and, um, bounce back from adverse things and adverse things could be, you, you had a really bad experience at work for whatever reason, and you just don't want it to change, you know, how you approach work anymore. Yeah. You want to always stay engaged. So for me, resiliency was important because of the type of work that we do. We get cumulative trauma Mm -hmm. over all the years with all the death and, you know, the hypervigilance that we experience being in policing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we see death, of course, of citizens, yeah. but we also see death of our own um, who are shot, killed, hit by cars, all of those things. So they become right. cumulative mm-hmm. and you have to have the resiliency to, um, you know, be able to go into work the next day, to be yeah. able to lead your people because they're experiencing it too, even while you're experiencing it. So yeah. the long game takes a few things. And mm-hmm. those are just a few practical things that, you know, transcend for everybody is, you know, to really have a plan, yeah. you know, have a plan, work on your attitude and your mindset, <laughs> never settle for mediocrity, you know, always be a continual learner and then to have some resiliency. That's so good. Plan, attitude, resiliency. Y'all got to replay those last five minutes. That was really <laughs> good. Um, now in your, in your role with your consulting firm and business, um, I'm curious, you know, as you're kind of speaking with different organizations or businesses or different leaders on an individual level, what are some of the kind of common challenges that you're seeing amongst leaders? And um, what are some of the skills that you feel, you know, as you're building up, you know, 21st century leaders, um, what are some of the skills that you feel like that they need? So what are some of the common challenges that you're seeing, observing, and what are the skills that you're trying to uh, in, in, implement in their lives, in their businesses? Um, so, you know, you would think that it's going to be some earth shattering, huh. you know, new development that I'm going to yeah. drop on you, but it's really not. It is, you know, it's often just a fundamental um, organizational culture that will start to emerge, right? And it can happen as simple as things like, you know, team building Mm. on how to build better teams, right? Because sometimes we can get in our silos and our, you know, our staff are not as productive, the morale is low, you know, they're not able to work together and problem solve, right? And come together. And so we find that a lot of times it's simply creating, um, you know, this, space to be able to allow people to feel seen. I know that Mm -hmm. sounds like such a awkward thing, but people can feel unseen and undervalued 
um, in the workplace because you know you have an executive that's way up here they don't mm -hmm. they can't always be you know down walking around and saying hello so they leave that to their middle managers and their yeah. supervisors who may not be doing a very good job yeah. so um, you know it's multi-level so your employees are to me the backbone of mm -hmm. an organization your your folks at that you know ground level doing the work every day and so they need to have some team building. They need to be reminded mm -hmm. of the value that they are. And then also critical thinking. Yeah. So sometimes you have people who are working in technical positions and it's critical thinking for that, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily bridge critical thinking to be able to you know, work with another team or to right. be able to understand the bigger mission and vision of the organization. And so mm -hmm. it's creating communication where people can have critical thinking, problem solving, but also to be have relationship, um, mm. relational um, engagement in corporate culture yeah. has shifted. Um, you know, because mm. there's a lot of generations that are working yeah. in corporate culture, and we're all a little bit different, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of trying to find ways to bridge that. So working on communication are some of the things. Um, emotional intelligence is, um, mm. you know, we all have it. Yeah. Yet we don't necessarily understand how to engage it or how it works for us or how it doesn't work for us, right? But yeah. it works for us if we know what it is and you know what triggers us, how we're going to respond to it, and then how it works in the relationships yeah. and the awareness of what's around us, right? Yeah. Um, it helps us, I think, a lot um, in how we uh, handle our interactions with people who are different from us, because yeah. that happens in the workplace a lot. Mm -hmm. And when we're not comfortable or familiar or based on how we might've been raised or you know, implicit bias and all these other things, people aren't aware because they're, they're, not, being talked, you know, they're not being talked about at work. Yeah. And maybe it's definitely not something they even think about or talk about at home. It didn't happen in school is something right. we discussed but you come to work and now you're working with a bunch of people who are very different than yourself. Yeah. And so how do you, you know, navigate that? So those are some of the things, um, you know, that I'll work with. And then sometimes it's just simply um, looking at the overall organizational culture for itself. And yeah. what are some of those policies? What are some of those mm -hmm. procedures and things that are in place and, you know, why are they in there? So I give, you know, assessments to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then your succession planning you know, what is the succession for your organization? Yeah. What do you have in place to help people move up? What are your, you know, testing processes? You know, are they fair and equitable? And mm. do they provide for diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah. So, you know, those are just some of the things. Yeah, no, yeah. And those are some great, great things to consider because um, as I'm learning too, you know, I'm, you know, learning is something that, um, I think as you mentioned earlier, something that's super important that I value because there's always something new to learn. I'm learning from people, from uh, my mentors, my managers, things that they're seeing that I'm not necessarily grasping at the moment, but as they're explaining, I, I start to see where they're coming from, a different level of view, if that makes sense. So Absolutely, think, because yeah. if you don't have the lived experience from the mm -hmm. perspective from which they have, mm -hmm. it's really important for you to pay attention. Yeah. And so, you know, when I would go to meetings or I would be in rooms, with people that were at a rank higher than me, mm -hmm. I was taking notes. Mm. I was taking notes. I was paying attention. And if I wasn't crystal clear on something, I was asking questions. I was being inquisitive. Yeah. 
yeah. um, because I wanted to know because I, again, had a plan for where I wanted to go yeah. and I couldn't get there by myself. I wanted to be able to, you know, these people have the knowledge. Yeah. They're, they're there doing the job, right? So, you know, if you get an opportunity or even ask for the opportunity, mm -hmm. pay attention, take notes, don't be in there, you know, on your phone, distracted. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> such the biggest challenge is the distraction of the cell phone. Yeah. Um, you know, now, even when you're in meetings, you know, because right. it can be on your watch and you're mm -hmm. trying to be tricky. And my thing is, you know, if you want to be engaged and you really want to get value and you want to get to where you want to get to, yeah, you, you got to be all in. Mm. Got to be all in. And now with you having that knowledge and looking back at your career, um, is there anything, you know, looking back that you do maybe differently or maybe you would have started earlier on because, and I asked this because again, a lot of the people that do tune in and listen to this, um, you know, they are young professionals, right? And there are things that they're still trying to figure out even during this time of COVID, right? Like what is next? How do I do the next thing? And uh, I'm still trying to figure stuff out. Like maybe providing some, some wisdom, looking back at your career, is there anything that you might've done differently? Um, you know, my error was different. So, um, you know, sh surely we could have all done a little something different. Um, I would have liked to have um, been all in sooner <laughs> mm. instead of not being all in. But I would tell, you know, uh, you know, young leaders today who are emerging to really start leveraging your network. Mm. Um, I think we forget the power of our network. And, you know, if you're not on LinkedIn, that's a place for professionals and building a LinkedIn profile and understanding the power of that profile and the connections that you have are not the connections that you might have on Instagram, right? right? Because you're looking for Ooh. your professional mm -hmm. um, space. You know, do you have a resume? Maybe you got on this job you have and you didn't have to have much, but mm -hmm. continually keep that resume upgraded. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do it, it's an investment. Invest in yourself and have a really good resume. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and again, if you're going to, you know, have a network, yeah. have a quality network, and then actually mm. leverage them early, right? Build relationships early by what? Asking questions. These yeah. are, you know, these people can be mentors for you yeah. where you can start to lean in now, you know, and understanding the value of mentors versus a coach. Hmm. A mentor is somebody who, you know, makes himself available to you, wants to see the best in you, might offer some guidance and wisdom and help you here or there. But a coach is somebody who's going to give you discipline and structure, mm. going to have goals and outcomes for you to reach, and they're going to help Oof. you to reach them. But you have to understand there's an investment when you yes. go to a coach That's versus, it. you know, it's free when you get a mentor generally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So think about what you want to invest in yourself for your professional career and your leadership. Yeah. Um, because we invest in a lot of things, right? Yes. Um, so it just depends on where your priorities are and where your value is. But, you know, for me, like I said, I would have wanted to have myself lean in, uh, yeah. you know, and be all in a lot sooner. That's so good. I love how you said a mentor versus a coach. And that's so true. As I'm experiencing, you know, I was fortunate enough that, you know, my leaders invested in me to, to get a coach for some development coaching these last six months. And I'm seeing a big difference in terms of those goals and outcomes and, and that discipline uh, that I've, I've, I've noticed that was lacking. And so that coach has uplifted a lot of those things. So that's a great, great uh, call out for sure. Um, as we kind of start to land the plane here, I, I want you to finish this statement, which I've asked my guests to, to help me. Uh, and the statement is this, 
every leader needs this. Knowing what you know from your experience as you are consulting and talking to folks nowadays uh, with your knowledge, um, how would you complete that statement? Every leader needs. Hmm. Every leader needs. So, so I'll start before I say that, that, yeah. you know, when you consider yourself a leader or you decide to embark on leadership, you really need to understand and define what leaders are. Mm -hmm. And if you fit for that, because, um, you know, leaders need to be able to show up because how you show up matters. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just that simple because people yeah. can show up, but they're not leading. And mm. so, you know, leaders, you know, they show up. Yeah. That's what they do. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I've experienced many that think they're leaders. Mm -hmm. And it's just very much the opposite of that. So mm. we need better leaders. We need, wow. you know, we're in the 21st century. We need better people to be better leaders, to be able to, you know, go out and change the world. And, you know, we have a lot of social issues that we're dealing with that co corporate culture plays a role in because right. we're all connected. That's so good. Such a great, got to show up, shut up, show up, show up, show up. That's good. Um, Johnny, thank you so much for your time. And if any of the listeners of yours maybe want to follow up or just kind of reach out to you to maybe build a network with you or just kind of seek your services with your firm, how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Johnny Reddick. Um, my website is JL Consulting Solutions. I'm also on Instagram as JL Consulting Solutions. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to find me. <laughs> awesome. Yes, and you connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, you give a shout out to the show and I will connect with you and then you'd have, you have access to my network. Awesome. Well, again, appreciate the time, appreciate all the valuable knowledge and wisdom that you've imparted today. Um, and you heard it here, y'all. Lead Up Leadership Podcast with Johnny Reddick. Catch y'all on the next one. Peace. Yeah, thank you. Have a wonderful evening.